You're listening to the Pops on Hops podcast, where we listen to some pops, drink a little hops, and I get to hang out with my pops. I'm Abigail Hummel. And I'm Barry Hummel, and welcome to episode 11. We're delighted today to be broadcasting from Hourglass Brewing in Longwood, Florida, where Abigail got to choose today's album. Tell us a little bit about what we're listening to. Yes. So we listened to an album called Songs from a Ghost Town by the band Trampled by Turtles from Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, after I heard the title of the album, I thought we should have some beers and podcasts from a goes town. So I picked Hourglass Brewing because they're known for their sours, their goes, and their farmhouse beers. They've actually opened up an adjunct space here called Sour Glass Brewing. Mm -hmm. And so we will be testing, tasting, and testing four different sour beers today. Not all goeses, right? No, they're not all gozes, but they're all in that sort of category. Sure. Uh, the first one is a cantaloupe goze. The second one we'll be having is called clueberry bobbler. Actually, it's called nom nom clueberry bobbler. <laughs> I don't know what that means. We'll be trying it. Uh, the third one on the list is a gingerbread sour, what? which I'm very excited to try. And the last one, and I don't know how to respond to this, is called enamel eater. Oh, boy. And the reason we picked that is because it's a sour stout. So we've got sours all over the board. I can't even begin to imagine what a sour stout tastes like. Start thinking about it because you're going to have to rate it later. (laughs) It's a good thing I have a dentist appointment here in a couple weeks and Ah. my enamel is going to be eaten by this one. We're opening up from the pandemic. People are going back to the dentist. I love it. Indeed. So tell us about this album. What's the the story on the album? Because I... I was actually quite surprised when I popped in and started listening to it. It was nothing like I expected it to be. In a good way, I will say. I know we go through this thing where you think I hate everything, but I don't. (laughs) And uh, I was actually actually delighted by what I heard. But I'm anxious to hear why you picked it and how you know of this band. Yeah, so this band was recommended to me by a friend of mine, Becky Ritchie, who out of the blue one day texted me, have you ever heard of Trampled by Turtles? And I was like, who, what the heck is that? (laughs) I didn't even know it was a band. I didn't know if it was a show, a book. Like, I didn't know what category of media she was recommending to me. Have you heard of Trampled by Turtles? And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) What are Trampled by Turtles? And she told me it was a band. And I went and looked up this album. I I chose to try this album first because it is their first album. I listened to the first song and immediately loved it. I mean, it's it's bluegrass, it's kind of indie folk rock, and it's vastly different from a lot of the other music I like, but it's still very fun to listen to. It reminds me of Mumford & Sons. Um, yeah, I'd say that. Even though, like, this is an American band, they're from Minnesota, Mumford right, & Sons right. is British, but the same kind of instrumentation, they have a fiddle, they have a banjo, they have a mandolin, and so I... Love this album. And then recently, in March of this year, 2021, they did a four-concert live stream series. And I purchased tickets to the four concerts. Oh, wow. To all four concerts. Get out. And so every Thursday for the entire month of March, I was watching a live stream concert of Trampled by Turtles. How about that? And it was a very cool experience. The first concert, they played through the entirety of, I believe, their fifth album, which is called Palomino. And then the other three concerts, they did sort of mixes of songs. Their last concert was the old stuff, quote unquote. And so they played stuff from Songs from a Ghost Town. And it was interesting because the first three concerts, they played standing up the entire time in a line 
each of the six members in front of a microphone, just standing in a line playing. For the last concert, when they were playing the old stuff, they all sat down because that's how they used to play. Oh, that's fun. So they made the choice to play those songs how they would have played them back in the day. So the band now is six members, as I said, and I saw them as six members. But on this album, they were only five members. They had two guitars, a bass, a mandolin, and a banjo. Since that time, they have lost a guitarist and gained a cellist and a fiddler. The fiddler was in all the concerts I saw, and he was absolutely amazing. I, that, probably my favorite part of seeing those concerts was seeing him fiddling around. So, um, yeah, I really, really like this band, and I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this album. Well, you know, it's interesting. I never think about bluegrass music and then always love it when I listen to it. Mm -hmm. So it's not something I seek out, and yet I don't know why, because I always have a good time with it. Yeah. And I had a great time listening to this album. Made me think of, so when we lived in North Carolina, Mom and I lived in Chapel Hill. One year, I think it was 1992, we went up to this uh, very famous music festival in Galax, Virginia. Galax Music Festival. It's this enormous outdoor music festival in basically near the Appalachian Mountains huge thing where people they had a whole marketplace with people selling like dulcimers and playing wow. dulcimers to show you how to do it huh. and then they had a stage where they just had acts rotate out and play bluegrass and they had the dancing that you would typically associate with kind of Appalachian music it was really really fun mm -hmm. to go up there and see that yeah and yet I don't own a lot of bluegrass music which is funny because you know it is in a it is a jangly kind of sound mm -hmm. which you know from the rock albums that I picked that I like that jangly yeah. sound and so I'm instantly uh, attracted to this kind of music I think the mandolin is one of my favorite instruments I've always said if I was going to learn an instrument it would be the mandolin interesting and so part of the reason I like R.E.M. is the use of the mandolin yeah. in their mid-career you know for example and so I pop this in not knowing what to expect I never know what to expect because the names and the artwork and all that <laughs> stuff never gives it a clue right. I have no clue what I'm getting when you hand me an album and so I popped it in and a few licks in I was like Oh, what a great left turn into bluegrass music. Yeah. This is really, really cool. So I love the album a lot. Oh, good. But what I would say about it, it's interesting you said kind of folk indie, because what I found as I went through it and I listened to the lyrics and I tried to evaluate the songwriting is I feel like it's a, first of all, it's a great collection of songs about a town that's dying, mm -hmm. probably economically. Yeah. And so... You know, I grew up in a town that's a lot like that, where there was, you know, factory-based, and the factory's closed, and the rest of the town's kind of hasn't known how to respond to that, mm -hmm. and the rest of the secondary businesses fall apart. And there's a lot of songs in here about the economic disparity of a town that seems to be dying. Yeah. And I found that very interesting, and each of the songs had its own theme, but it kind of tied into one town. There's only nine songs on there, but it's like one town nine stories yeah and uh you know there's a love story there's a, a lot of hard drinking songs on here a lot of yes, guys there are. a lot of depressed guys with alcohol a lot you know? of whiskey a lot of whiskey <laughs> but i read a lot of the lyrics as sort of anti-corporate kind of lyrics in some of the songs and we'll go through those as we get to them i really 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 like this album the other thing i did was they have like eight albums now this was their debut album i forget the year it was like 2004 i want to say but maybe maybe not that early i, I think it but it's it's a pretty early... I thought it was 2010. Uh, let me see. I might have the information here. 2004. Oh, okay. Songs from a Ghost Town, 2004. Okay. So they've had eight albums over the years. Their best-selling album was Palomino, which you mentioned earlier when you said uh, that you listened or you watched that concert and they played it in its entirety. That was their fifth album. And it was actually on the bluegrass charts for like 32 weeks. I mean, it was a, it was a major hit for them. 
it's a little different in that it's a little faster. Oh, you listen to it? Oh, I listen to Palomino. Oh, that's another fantastic album. It's really, really good. It's really good. And it's, I didn't like dive in and deep listen sure. and do all the lyrics and everything, but I just popped it in to listen to it. And I noticed that I thought there was an increased pace to the music. Yes. And it sounded uh, more indie rock than straight up bluegrass. I think this is a straight up bluegrass album yeah. in, the, in the real traditional sense. So I was really happy to get this. I was so glad I popped it in and so glad to kind of be re-exposed to Because when we lived in North Carolina, we heard our share of bluegrass. And I always said, oh, I like that. And then I never bought any. And it's such a weird thing. I feel like I should probably have some bluegrass in my collection. And I've, I'm so happy that young people, of course, not young now. They've been playing almost 20 years together. But that young people picked up bluegrass music yeah. and talked about economic issues that impacted them and their families at a specific time and place. And I, I really, really like the album so yeah they're kind of like the artists formerly known as the dixie chicks in that way yeah, maybe like that's a that's a young yeah. a younger country band that talks a lot about social issues and yeah. is very sort of socially and politically conscious and actually historically got in trouble for that yeah sort of got, got canceled, canceled as we don't like to say right <laughs> talking about oh cancel culture they were canceled uh, as a result of that, and even changed their name recently to remove the word Dixie yep. from their name, They're right? They're just the chicks They're now. They're just the chicks now, which maybe is equally controversial. Maybe they should have wholesale changed their yeah, they're, name. they're just the women now. They're just you know, they're just <laughs> mature women the with ladies. a point of view. That's a long name for a band. But anyway. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say about this before we dive into our first beer is that um, I think it's really interesting that you were talking about sort of the place-centeredness of this album because they are very, very vocal about where they're from. Their Twitter handle is TBT Duluth. Like they are, like they are Duluthians. I don't yeah, know if that's, that's the proper noun for I that, don't. but they are—they're very connected to their hometown, and so it's—it's it's interesting that you kind of picked up on that in their lyrics, which sure. is cool. And that's one of those Midwest states that had you know a lot of blue collar factory work that has kind of disappeared over the last twenty to thirty years, and so I can see where they would pick up that vibe and write about it. And I have specific examples, obviously, as I go through this uh, song by song uh, as to why I think that. The other thing I want to say about the album is that I could hear what they were singing about lyrically pretty early in the album. And by that, I mean that you can hear the vocals very clearly. Oh, yeah. And you have a sense of the song early on. It still pays to print the lyrics out and follow it word by word because there were a couple of songs on here that were very well written in a clever way and if I hadn't done that I might not have picked up on it but the lyrics weren't obscure everything was up front mm -hmm. and even though everything was up front in reading the lyrics I still got more out of it so I, I still like going through that exercise of, of doing it song by song and listening to it near the end after I've listened yeah. to it multiple times but yeah what a cool album and a very cool project it's such a joy to be handed something that I never would have like picked up at a store or thought about going to listen to and um and then all of a sudden having a whole like these guys have a ton of albums i'll go back and listen to multiple albums because i really really like this now will i go seek out other bluegrass bands not necessarily this is the one i've kind of settled in on sure. maybe that's the way it goes yeah but at least i have one in my repertoire now where yeah. i wouldn't have had that before so Kudos to you for picking out something that's really uh, kind of, not a left turn, but a kind of a fork in the road into a different uh, musical terrain. I appreciate that, and you're very welcome. Now, I hope you're excited about today's beer selection, which is my responsibility. I could not be more excited about today's beer. I am not saying that ironically. Sours are my very favorite type of beer, and we have some really interesting ones on the board, so I'm excited to try them. I was here once 
you know, point of reference, your brother, who happens to be my son, which works out perfectly. What? Attended University of Central Florida, which is not too far from here. And so early on, we came up for a parents weekend or did something early in his existence up here as a student. And mom and I ended up over here, sat right down here on the side of the bar. And I love this place. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And then I'd come up here and we'd visit Zach and we'd do this and we'd do that. Somehow we never ended up coming back over here. <laughs> so the minute you brought up the ghost and I thought about it, I'm like, oh, we absolutely have to go here. This is a very, very cool place. This brewery actually does bottle some stuff. I've gotten some stuff down in South Florida and mostly in this category, the sour goes category. So I'm really, really stoked. Well, and there is some absolutely fascinating looking stuff on the menu. Oh, that I, know. I know you focus mostly on sours today, but I see one that has um, potato flakes in it. And I see one that has mushroom, beet and rose hip. And I can't wait to come back here and, and try some other stuff. Yeah, well, I'm glad you've discovered it. I can't believe I couldn't get your brother to come over. Now, he happens to be sitting. Oh, hi, Zach. He happens to be sitting over at the other table. I think he likes when Pops on Hop shows up at a place and he can come in and get on the... Uh, the business tab. The business tab. Yeah. So he and, and Monet, his girlfriend, are over there. Uh, they're already on their second beer. We haven't even tasted it. So we better, we better, <laughs> we better get, get moving. Going. Yeah, because he's going to close. He's going to make my tab look super big today. So we have four on the board. Yes. We're going to start off with the one that has cantaloupe in it. The actual name, just so we know, is cantaloupe goes. It's described as sipping on this juicy cantaloupe goes feels like springtime in a glass. Blossoming notes of fresh cantaloupe open with a juicy, sweet kiss. Ew. And linger with a tart, salinous, sal- salinous? S-A-L-I-N-O-U-S? Salinous? Finish. Never heard that word. Well, you'll have to Google that. Oh, salinous. Salty. Salinous. Salty. Okay. Okay. Uh, waves of ripe melon emit a floral musky aroma that is balanced with a subtle sea-weathered brine. Oh, boy. This is like a Stacey Abrams romance, romance novel. novel. The Silky Brew heralds sunny days ahead and offers a revitalizing reprieve from the heat that follows. I hope that description was helpful. Seems a little... <laughs> seems a little blue. Seems a little long. And Did you say blue? I did. <laughs> well, let's find was out. Was that incorrect? I don't know. Let's find out if it's salinous. All right. Cheers. Cheers to Pops on Hops. That's a winner. Whoa. It's definitely oh. salty. Yeah, you can taste the salt for sure. Oh, definitely. Melanie. Oh, that's a really... Oh, my God, that's so good. That's a top-shelf beer right there. That is amazing. It's funny, the salt part. You know, my grandparents I'm, used to put salt on there. They would carve up cantaloupe and sprinkle salt on it, yeah. which I never understood as a kid. I love cantaloupe so much, and yeah. I never understood that. But this is this is awesome. This is... I'm absolutely blown away by this. This is really good. So it starts off really salty. Yes. Really, really tart at the beginning. Yep. And then you get the cantaloupe at the end and it's it's like very cantaloupe well cantaloupes are pretty of the of a lot of the fruits a pretty subtle flavor i think we tried yes, a cantaloupe beer the last time which remember i made the joke that it was closer to the rind it was a little more bitter yes this is one, not that this right. is this is well now and I'm that a, one didn't use cantaloupe juice that it used a hop that had cantaloupe, cantaloupe. that's right mm-hmm. this this clearly has the juice in it yeah this is fantastic the description did say it was a little floral right because i definitely it did get, say floral yeah, I get almost was, like a something floral at the end there. Rose, maybe? And I go, yeah, and I think floral really in, in a lot of terms means aromatic, right? I mean, that's how I, you I know, don't know, herbal, aromatic. It's really good. So, yeah, It's awesome. really good. 
So we'll come back and we'll give that one a rating. Ooh. But let's dive into the album because this one is very short. Fast and Furious. There's only nine songs, if I'm remembering right. The album itself is only 35-ish minutes, maybe? It's very Fast and Furious. The first track is a song called Ain't No Use in Trying. And so let's have a little taste of Ain't No Use in Trying. So, you know, my first comment is, I didn't know what to expect when I put the album in. So you'll see on my sheet, my first note at the top with an exclamation point is, Bluegrass! <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I thought that was so much fun awesome. that it was a bluegrass album. This was the one, like, in retrospect, going back and looking at all the lyrics, I didn't get this sense so much the first time. There's lines in here, and there was some in this in the chorus. It says, you know I wouldn't fight if these guys wouldn't shove me. Now I can't go home because my baby, she don't love me. And the whole song is about this guy who's caught between two worlds. He's got this whole thing going on at home, but he's sucked in by these friends. They seem like they might be a little angry. And again, going into the... Now, I didn't tie that all into this town is dying on the vine because this is the opening song, right? I just was like, maybe there's an alcohol problem. He's sucked in because of the alcohol, whatever it is. I was blown away initially, you know, by the music. Love the musical bridge in this, by the way, because it has multiple solos that show mm -hmm. all the members of the musical yep. lineup. So it was an opening track. They do this thing where they go, here we are. We got guitars. We got mandolins. We got banjos. This is who we are. I want you to notice there's no drums. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't go look because I never gave this much thought, but I don't think drums are a big part of bluegrass music to begin with because the nature of bluegrass music is kind of fiddle music out in in you know rural nature. america and you're not going to carry a drum kit out to right. a campfire it's very portable so it's, right so it's fiddles and banjos and things you can carry out there there's a bass player in yeah. this, but there's no percussion which right. is really really cool and in retrospect it set up the album as a theme it's a character study of people in this town and they all have different problems which you'll see as we go through the album yeah. and so i'm going to toss out there that it reminded me a lot of another album we did, which was Darkness on the Edge of Town. I thought you were going to say that. And so I was wondering if you picked it because of that. Like, let me throw you another version of, uh, you know, blue-collar issues in, in America. You know, working-class problems. Mm -hmm. I really thought that as I got deeper and deeper into this album. There was this connection to me of, like, it's like a bluegrass version of Springsteen. That's interesting. That is not why I chose the album. I actually had this on my list of albums before you even threw me the Springsteen album. But after listening and reviewing the Springsteen album and then pitching you this one on my, you know, on my re-listens preparing for this episode, I heard the exact same thing you heard. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting, they're, right? They're individual packaged stories. Each song is a story. Yep. Just like the Springsteen album. Every song has its own tale to tell. Yeah. And like a book of short stories, like we said. Yeah. And really, it's apolitical, but it is. it does have a lot of 
Like, I think these guys get that the villains were maybe the corporations leaving, not the people who lived in the town. Like, this is told from the point of view of the people who are left in the aftermath of, let's say, a factory closing. Yeah. And these guys, they, there's no economy left where they live, and they're struggling with basic day-to-day needs and day-to-day wants. Right. And that's really interesting to me. I don't want to say it's like progressive bluegrass, but it, <laughs> but it plays that way yeah. based on the lyrics. Now, again, I'm not a huge listener of bluegrass, so I don't know what traditional bluegrass covers in their lyrics. Right. But I picture a lot of typical rural American, not country music type lyrics, but, you know, when you live in the mountains and you live in the woods and those issues would be different than this. This is clearly guys who, like, their jobs are missing and the economy's in the crapper and they're struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. So this is more like it's industrial bluegrass, like industrial Ah. communities, right? Not farming communities, not mountain communities, but places where people work and manufacture stuff, where the factories close and they're they're stuck with the aftermath of what that means. Yeah. And the lyrics really reflect that. So this isn't a bunch of people who are living in rural West Virginia. This is people who lived in a functioning, thriving city mm-hmm. that's not the same as it was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. It is. To take bluegrass music and then tell those stories. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's that song. I, I like that one very much. Not in my top three, but great opening track. And I feel like it was a great way to introduce the theme of the music. This is in my top three and... I think it's really only because, not only because, but I think it is for a large part because this was the first song I ever heard by this band. Right. And this was the song that hooked me. You know, like this was the one that made me think, oh boy, I really like this band. I really like this sound. I want to listen to more of this. And I ended up watching four of their concerts. So clearly I got really into them. And this was what started it all. So I have a real kind of emotional attachment to this song. And so it is in my top three on the album. So I want you to think about that because that's exactly what I said on the last episode about who can it be now. That's exactly right. right. I heard this song. I had an emotional connection to it. And I went and bought the album because they wanted to hear more of that. Yeah. And you're saying the same thing about this song. And I totally understand it. I'm going to have another sip of this beer. It's so good. I know. I can't stop drinking it. We're going to have to. You only got four ounces of that one. So, moving on to the second song. A song called Wrong Way Street. Not an acre on a hillside. Not a dollar to my name. My job got shipped off far away from home And all the two-time bankers all moan and complain That's enough, they got enough for two, none left for me and you And all you daytime workers, your back's breaking every day Ain't but a passing thought in their mind And when you're done toiling Sorry, sir, you're on your own You don't mind this, you don't mind that You surely won't mind dying And the years roll down In this dusty town It's been worn down, hard run away This is my third favorite song on the album. Okay. Classic bluegrass sound, which I instantly bought into. But this is when I really realized what they were up to on this album. So this song is really a very cleverly written song about economic disparity. Wealth gap. Right. This is when I started to say, wait a minute, these guys may be progressive bluegrass players. (laughs) 
If you listen to that section that I played and what the lyrics are, my job got shift far away from home and all the two-time bankers all moan and complain they've got enough for two with none left for me and you. It's such a perfect description of what people should be angry about right, right now and maybe their, their anger's misplaced. Right. But this nails it. You know what I mean? This explains why people in the Midwest or in the Rust Belt are upset is that these jobs have been shipped off through no fault of their own so that somebody can pocket twice as much as they have. And I just thought that was genius. That's when I went, oh, this album's awesome. Because these guys have a point of view that's really interesting for what you would normally consider almost rural country-style music. But these are not rural country-style lyrics. These are really smart, on-point lyrics about complicated issues in this country, particularly in places like where they live, like mm-hmm. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, these guys are dead on. Now, remember, this is almost 20 years ago they're writing these songs, right? So they were young. This was their debut album. What a chancy, risky thing to write about yeah. as bluegrass writers. Right. Kudos to them. Yeah. So this is my third favorite song on the album. There's a lot of kind of casual talk about depression Yes. In this album. And I think it's very, not edgy, but it's very kind of risky. Like you said, risky for them to just be so casually talking yes. about it. Like they talk about, you surely won't mind dying. Yes. In this one. You know, there's a lot of alcoholism. The alcohol throughout the Throughout yeah, the album. There's another lyric there. in a future song that I'll point out. But it's, I think, quite important of them to be talking about those issues. I absolutely agree. And in 2004, I was barely conscious, but... <laughs> well, you were like, a, you were 10. Yeah, yeah. I was 10. Right. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that mental health was not as in the ether as it is now. But for them to be talking about the mental impacts of economic crisis and economic disparity, I think is very, very cool. I mean, not cool, but like... <laughs> no, but it's very insightful for them to address those kinds of issues in this kind of venue. Yeah. I totally agree. And by the way, just so you know, Songs from a Ghost Town really gets to my soul because the town I grew up in was one of these industrial centers in South Jersey. Yeah. It has basically faded because of the fact that all the factories left. Now, all the factories left initially because Indiana gave better tax breaks than New Jersey. Now those factories have all gone to Mexico because they get bigger tax breaks than Indiana. And the corporate bigwigs can do that. You know, they can move those anywhere right. they want. And what they leave in their aftermath is a town that doesn't have the same economic center that it used to have. That's the ghost town we're talking right. about. Yeah. I'm projecting factory left and everybody's there in the aftermath because that's what I know from my hometown experience. But regardless of whether that's the specifics of the story, the story they're telling is businesses have left and we're still here and we're dealing with depression and alcoholism, bad relationships, joining the army because there's no other way out or whatever it is. We're trying to escape. Doing time. Doing time. Or my brother's a little bit weird, right? He thinks he works for the CIA, which we'll get to in a minute, right? All these kinds of things that happen in a small town. Yeah. And I think that's brilliant songwriting. It's a thematic album all the way through it. The songs are individual stories, but the theme is consistent. So before we move on to track three... Oh, boy. Which is called Whiskey. I think we should have more to drink. Now, I'm going to take my final sip on this delicious cantaloupe goes and give it a rating and I gotta tell you and I have already finished mine because <laughs> that's how much I liked it I'm giving that one a 4.25 I'm going to give it this will probably come as no surprise to you a 
4.5. What? 4.5. That may be the highest rating I've ever heard you give. On the podcast, yes. Okay, on the podcast. I've given four fives. If you look at my untapped, I've given, I think I have two fives, actually. But yes, definitely on the podcast, this is the highest rating I've given. And I love it so much. I can't find enough good yeah, things to that's say a about really, it. It's a really interesting good beer. And I know you always make this joke about when I tell people I'm going to have a sour beer, they go, well, you're not a beer drinker. Well, they don't know what they're missing. That was really a fabulous, fabulous beer. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to the second beer on our flight today. By the way, today's flight is brought to you by me. We didn't ask anybody here from the brewery to pick it up for us. We picked it out ourselves. That's true. And that's mostly so I can get four different unique check-ins on Untapped. Now, I just want to remind everybody, because I know you all are curious, Untapped is not a sponsor. Still, Still. after 11 episodes, they after are not a sponsor. After 11 episodes and name-checking them every <laughs> stinking time. We'll get them one day. Well, yeah, one day. Maybe we can get above dozens of listeners. But anyway, the next beer we're going to have is called Nom Nom Clueberry Bobbler. I feel like somebody in the back room had a little too much to drink when they tried to name this thing. Because there's a lot of, uh, it looks like a lot of transpositions and misspellings. But here's how it's described on Untapped. Come and get it. The fourth entry in our popular cobbler-themed dessert sour series, Nom Nom. Nom Nom Clueberry Bobbler was rested in a pound per gallon of sweet and tangy blueberries, a pinch of milk sugar, and more vanilla beans than you can shake a stick at. With a unique blend of spices, bready malts, wheat and oats, this piquant blueberry sour balances sweet and tang with an inviting flaky cobbler finish. You'll swear you're back at home with one of Mama's scratch-made sugary delights. I'll tell you, they have hired a big-time writer. I was just about to say, <laughs> I would like to meet their marketing person. I mean, most people write down, yeah, this has got blueberry and <laughs> maybe it's going to taste bready. These guys are like, there's like Pequant. a... Pequant. I hope it's as good as they described it. A pound of blueberries per gallon sounds like a lot, but we'll see. Oh, heavens. Oh, no. Wow. I can't find the words. How are you going to go up from your last rating? I know. This is fabulous. Really, really good. And I like blueberry beers because I like... Blueberry is one of my favorite fruits. Yeah. And this might be one of the best blueberry beers I've ever had. I think the spices make it for me. I mean, it's sour, but gosh, you get so many spices in there. Nutmeg, maybe? Cloves? I don't know. It's just very spicy in there. I get a lot of blueberry. I get a hint of vanilla. They're the two main themes I'm getting out of that. It's, it's tart. Tart bordering on sour. Yeah. I'd almost call this one sour. It's pretty It's pretty sharp. And it's subtly sweet. It's not overly sweet. No, it's not. But it's but like man, the right oh amount man, of sweet. That is a... Delight. Really good. Well, I don't know where to go from there. Oh, I know where to go. Song three. So sadly, or happily or whatever, the next song, the actual title, is Whiskey. Whiskey, won't you come and take my trouble? Cause I can't seem to do it on my own In the morning there is hours and infinity The starlit evenings come to take me home Stepped on my 
give me credit This is my least favorite song on the album. Really? Only because it's maybe a little on the nose. It's a very sad, depressing song. That's true. It is on the nose. And, and <laughs> so much of the other writing on here tells similar stories in a little more clever way. And because it's what we do here on Pops on Hops, we pick a least favorite. I'm going to call it this one. Sure. I like the song. I don't yeah. dislike the song. But maybe part of the reason I don't like it so much is because it's so obviously sad. Here, Here's this. I played this first, but I got to read the whole thing. I ain't got a dime in my pocket. And I just stepped on my last cigarette. That's addiction number one. (laughs) But there's a bar downtown that'll give me credit. That's addiction number two. And home away from home, away I went. This guy, so this is what he's left with, right? Smoking, drinking, what a sad existence. And so it bummed me out, Abigail. (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge bummer. Some of the other songs bummed me out, too, in a more clever way. This one was just an outright depressing song to me. I don't know. The line... There's a line in the part you played, and it also ends the song, which is, Starlit evenings come to take me home. And I think that's such a beautiful image. And obviously it's not great that he needs the whiskey to take away his troubles, but I think the real message of the song is that the whiskey, again, we don't endorse this, but the whiskey helps him see what else is beautiful in the world. Like the starlit evening. Yeah, but I feel like it's such a bummer that that's what you're relying on for that. Yeah, of course. But like, I just think that's a pretty line. I just saw that like he passed out. He was waking up looking at the sky and now he's trying to find his way home. And I just, it made me very sad. Now that's an effective song. I'm not saying that's not an effective song. I'm just saying that of all the songs on the album and there are other ones that are complex and sad, sad, that this one was... Too direct, like I said, too on the nose. I do agree with you that it so. is definitely more on the nose than the other songs are. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm going to make that my least favorite for another reason than the other the remaining eight songs are really strong and really powerful, even though they deal with equally complex issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was just a flat out song about alcoholism that has a place in this ghost town. Yeah. But I listen to it and I get sad and I, I don't necessarily want to get sad all the time listening to this album. <laughs> Is it a skip? I don't skip it. Oh, yeah. And I, and I find myself... You don't skip anything. No, and I find myself singing it a lot, sadly. It's not that I dislike the song. Maybe the reason I don't like it is because it's a very effective song. Sure. You know? I get I get a lot of these songs stuck in my head. A lot. And For sure. This is, it's really only that one line, the, the starlit evenings come take me home. That's the line I always get stuck in my head. That's the song I... That's the line I'm always singing. That's interesting. Because of what I do for a living, it was... I just stepped on my last. Yeah, of course it was. (laughs) Of course it was. (laughs) So, anyway, that was song number three. That one was called Whiskey, which moves me up to song number four. My brother works for the CIA. My question is, does he? (laughs) I'm still looking out your window, your shaded tones of home, with dusty memories that go down like rain. And the years grow ever longer, the days go flying by. And I can't wait till you and I are finally home again. Well, there ain't no easy answers when the circus is in town. The troubled juries hang each other dead. And the TV's filled with poets who only write and rhyme. And my brother works for the CIA when he's not doing time. 
So to me, this song is sort of, you know, in that theme of uh, the chaos of family. Like, it's all these vignettes about family members. And, and the highlight of that is this brother who works for the CIA when he's not doing time, which identifies a mental health problem, right? He's clearly in the conspiracy theory of he works for the CIA. and Unless he's an informant. Or he's an informant or whatever it That's is. That's how but I read it. I read it as I've got a brother who's got a mental health issue and he works for the CIA when he's not doing time. Yeah, I read it as he's involved in drugs. And when he's not doing time for doing drugs, he's informing the CIA about the drug well, ring well, in their town. Be, right. That's a that's a little higher. That's like a, a higher concept. I'm just thinking in terms of this is the brother who's got some issues. And his story is he works for the CIA, but he doesn't really. And he's scrapping along. But everything in here is about the circus, when the circus is in town. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just sort of like... It's Christmas, and everybody's here. It's Thanksgiving, and everybody's here. The circus is in town, and every divergent personality is at the table together in a small-town kind of environment. Very up-tempo. I like the song very much. Not in my top three, but I like the writing in this one, too, because I think you've had an interpretation. I had an interpretation of it, which tells you that there's more ways to interpret the lyrics than just the one. Yeah. And I think that's very cool. This is not in my top three, but it's very close up there, and that's just because of how upbeat and fun it is. It's a really fun listen. So if you come out of whiskey into this, you realize that they can play completely different musical... Yeah. structures and styles with those instruments. Yeah. But the interesting thing about Whiskey is it doesn't feel out of place on this album. No. Even though it's a slower song, you know, last time we talked about, when we were talking about the Men at Work album, and the song at the end is super slow and different, seven minutes long, yeah. and it feels like it doesn't belong in the album, and it right. couldn't be anywhere else. Right. That's not the vibe I get with Whiskey, even though it's a slower song, because musically, it's similar, structurally it's similar, Thematically, it's similar, and probably on this album, you could have put it anywhere. They put it in front of what's one of the faster songs on the album, and you totally buy into it. Yep. By the way, I was thinking about it. Another appropriate beer we could have been trying was a whiskey barrel aged. Well, look at the menu. Maybe we'll, uh, we might have to add that on as a, uh, what's the word I use? Baggage claim at the end of my flight. I have never heard that before, but that is hilarious. Oh, that's what I do every time. I get one additional glass of beer after my flight. I call it baggage claim. That's very clever. Before we move on, shall we rate Nom Nom Blueberry Bobbler? Yeah, you were saying you don't know what Nom Nom means. That's like... No, I know what Nom Nom means. Oh, okay. I was confused by Blueberry Bobbler. Oh, okay. <laughs> nom Nom, my God. Okay. <laughs> the Nom Nom series. Sure. Yeah, yeah, tasty goodness. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you say nom 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 when you're eating it. I am going big. I'm giving this one a four and a half. So am I. That is a fabulous, fabulous beer. Again, like it better than the last one, but not a quarter of a point more. No, so, I like this a quarter point more than the last one. It's more complex. It, it has, is more complex. It has spices in it, which I find extremely interesting in a sour. I'm not sure I've ever had that before. And it's just packed full of blueberry flavor. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And real blueberry flavor. That is a great, great beer. So that brings us to beer number three on the flight, the one you're looking forward to the most, which is called Gingerbread Sour. How in the world are they going to pull this one off, Dad? I don't know. But let's read about it because there's a poet writing these descriptions, and I've got to read it. (laughs) Gingerbread Sour was brewed with cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, and clove, and fermented in oak barrels. Oak barrels. With a blend of Belgian brewer's yeast, lactobacillus, and Bretanomyces. 
When primary fermentation was finished, crystallized ginger was added to the barrel while the yeast flavors developed. And lastly, the beer was naturally carbonated in kegs. Are you making fun of me? Only a little bit. All right, I'll take it. So we got another spicy boy on our hands. Well, yeah, well, the gingerbread, you got to have those spices, right? If you made gingerbread, you'd put all those things in it. I'm interested in, like, the crystallized ginger added at the end. That's an interesting thing because that comes, crystallized ginger obviously comes with its own sugar. Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting twist to it, right? Cheers. To the podcast. Interesting. I can taste that it's barrel aged. After all of that description, the last thing I taste is ginger. And I don't really get the other spices either. What I mostly get is the Belgian yeast and the barrel aged. It right. tastes oaky, sour. and it tastes Belgian-y. Oaky, sour, and Belgian-y. And the, and the spices and the ginger seem to be... Yeah, I don't really get any of that. Yeah, interesting, huh? But I don't mind. I mean... Well, I, I like think... the beer. I'm not, I'm not... I'm Based on that description, that's not what I expected. No. But again, when we're drinking a sour beer, right? Now, I've had gingerbread stouts, and I've had gingerbread... Yeah. I've had other beers that were gingerbread, and maybe the sour is overwhelming the other flavors. But I don't know, because they were able to get all those spices in the clueberry bobbler, so why aren't they here? I just think it's the Belgian yeast that's overwhelming everything, but it's interesting because I don't think I've ever had a sour Belgian before, and so even though I, I'm not getting the intended flavor, this is still very interesting to me, and yeah. it's, it's not like anything yeah. I've ever had. I've had Belgian sours, and they are good. Based on that description, I would expect to taste ginger. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Am I going to rate it based on what I was told I was going to have? Or am I going to rate it based on what I tasted? Interesting. Mm, stay tuned. About three songs from now, we're going to find out the answer to that really important situation. But in the meantime, we got music to listen to. Coming up next is song five. And song five, in the whiskey approach to songwriting, is called... Drinking in the morning. Now I lost my job. I was working. I ain't got a friend left in the world. And it's all because of a no good, dirty, cheating girl. I love the musical style of this song. Really? I do. It's a catchy hook. It is. Another bummer of a song. It is. <laughs> I think this is another one that's a little on the nose. Although, I think the theme of it is, it's really sort of about a guy whose life is ruined by a cheating girlfriend. Yeah. And the drinking is secondary to that. <laughs> Whereas in whiskey, it seems like the drinking is the primary thing in the song. Sure. So, I would say that this dude's got an excuse. But Again, Pops I, on Hops does not endorse drinking in the morning. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely Disclaimer. not. Disclaimer. The lyrics that I played in the clip, which I'm going to read, are the crux of the song. Now I lost my job. I was working. Ain't got a friend left in the world. And it's all because of a no good, dirty, cheating girl. And then he goes into the chorus. Now, now you got you me got drinking. Me drinking in the morning. 
We're talking about a town with a bunch of stories. This is the guy who's got the cheating girlfriend in town. It plays completely into the theme. Again, I like the song very much. Not my top three. So now we're five songs in of a nine-song album. I've only identified one of my top three, and I believe it was number three. So I and do I've like only, this And I've only had my one from my top That's three correct. as well. That's correct. This is another one I really like, but it's not in my top three. I get this song stuck in my head constantly. And I just thought it was funny. You you taught me the German word for a, a beer before noon. Yes. A fruge hoppin. Fruge hoppin. But I don't think this guy was having a fruge hoppin. I think he was having a fruge whiskey. Oh, no. These guys aren't drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> these, guys are gone, these guys are gone right for the fruge still. Fruge liquor. They're going for the still. Fruge still. Fruge still. So, yeah. Like this song a lot. That moves us on to song six. Song six. This is a song called At Your Window. Empty bottle alleys You come shining like the sun And with your golden fingers You saved me from drowning And I love you, little darling And I love you till I die Like Sunday This is the love song on the album. I really feel like it's about a woman who rescues this guy. And so I picked the lyrics there to, to kind of demonstrate that. Um, like he's a little bit of a desperate guy. And the line, through empty bottle alleys. Here we are with the alcoholism again, right? You come shining like the sun. And with your golden fingers, you save me from drowning. That's really the essence of the song. I mean, the, the whole song plays into that sort of thing. And so, again, we're talking about a small town, individual stories, and this is, for me, the love story of the entire album. This is in my top three. Oh, wow. I think this is so pretty. And, again, he talks about sort of the beauty of nature and how this woman is helping him to see the beauty of nature. I'll love you till I die, like sundown in the valley and the stars alone at night. You're right. There are a lot of references in the entire album to nature, outdoors. Sometimes it's the homeless guy living outside. Sometimes it's the drunk looking up the sky when he wakes up passed out. Sometimes it's in this context of this song. They're very good at tying into their stories the nature that surrounds this town. Well, and it might reflect that maybe this economically depressed town, no one wants to be here, but just outside there's all this beautiful nature and if you can just get out there you're right. gonna be fine no, and you're I, gonna yes. see the beauty in the world again right. and maybe it takes a little whiskey to get you there maybe it takes a woman to get you out there but it, you just gotta get out there instead of focusing so much on economic needs over personal needs mm-hmm. and i think the the thing about the nature about going out and having a quiet moment get away from your screens and just being out there and and seeing this amazing stuff that surrounds where you live when you're caught up in kind of the chase for your paycheck right. and and now you're fighting with there might not even be a paycheck because somebody decided they're going to move a factory two cities over right. or two states over that there's still good stuff around there. Yeah. And you can definitely dive into that if you just take a breath and look into that. Yeah. Great. I, I like that song very much. Now, you'll notice it's not my top three, 
Oh we'll boy! Running out of songs. We're narrowing it down even more. But I'm gonna finish up this gingerbread before we move on. Quote unquote gingerbread. Yeah, quote unquote gingerbread. <laughs> Allegedly gingerbread. All right, so let's toss the name aside. Let's not call it gingerbread. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a beer that's a four. As a sour beer, yeah, I think that's a four. So put me down for a four on that. Now, I based think- on the name and the description, I didn't get what I expected to get. But I like the beer very much. I'm going to give it a 3.75. And that's only because, as a rule, Belgians are not my favorite. I think the Belgian-y taste is a little weird. Okay. (laughs) I'll drink a Belgian. But, like, it's not my favorite style. And I wouldn't particularly call this a big-time Belgian beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. This drinks way more like a sour. Well, because it is sour. Right. (laughs) But I'm saying that's the dominant flavor and so I liked it very much because of that. Yeah. And if there was any Belgian quality I was getting, that wouldn't disappoint me because I like Belgian beers. Sure. The only comment I would have is I'm not getting the gingerbread. I'd have called this something else. Yeah. Even if That's I used, fair. Even if I used ginger as an ingredient, I might have given it a different name. Well, you didn't brew the beer, so when you open your own brewery, when we open our Pops on Hops brewery... You went there. That's going to be our next business venture. So the next one we have on our list, which is the final entry on our flight, is called Enamel Eater, which already scares me because that seems like a chemical reaction that... You don't want to happen? I don't necessarily want in my gut. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They can do that to your enamel. Think about it. What can it do to the lining of your intestines? And here's what they say about the style of beer. What is listed as the style of beer on Untapped? Because I have never heard of a sour stout. Okay. So sour, other is the category. Okay. Sure. That makes sense. I don't know that I'm going to read that because that could be anything. It's not specifically sour stout. Yeah. What they describe as their beer with their poetic marketing person. Yes. A warming coffee roast met with a breath of coconut are quickly followed by a swift kick in the teeth. So be ready. Oh, boy. I, I added be ready. That was that was <laughs> parenthetical. <laughs> Balanced with the depth of robust malt, this coconut coffee sour stout unites rich chocolate malts, crystal malt, flaked oats, and roasted barley. A quiet complexity. Only overshadowed by the impending acidity. Black as night and tart as hell. <laughs> Put a warning on the uh, podcast. Tart as hell. This desiccating sour stout... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's a big big word to put Desiccating. This, this desiccating sour style will make your taste buds scream in intensity and salivate for more. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds it sounds dangerous. <laughs> Desiccate, salivate. Man. All right. What so was the other one? Tooth, tooth numbing? It's a swift kick in the teeth. Oh, a swift kick in the teeth. Yeah. Is the kick in the teeth? Referring to sweetness or be, acid. It's got to be the acidity. Right? Could, why are we talking Could be about either. It? All right, why don't we sip it? Why don't we try <laughs> it and decide? And what was it? A breath of coconut? Just a breath. <laughs> so right out of the gate, I think it's very similar to the last one. Definitely more, I think a little more sour. Okay, this is bizarre. Not in a bad way. It's yeah, I don't think very, it's... very coffee. Yeah, up front. Very coffee. But it's also sour, which yeah. is yeah. very right, strange. Right, 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 right. It's like if you squeezed lemon juice into your coffee, which I would never do. I would never think to do. But all that being said, I like it. Yeah, I can't get over thinking that this is not an appropriate pairing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> coffee and sour. But 
I'm glad we tried it. It's completely oh, unlike like anything it. I've ever had. Yeah, I like it very much. I find that interesting in a very clever way. Very interesting. And I don't find that over. I no, don't find I don't that overwhelming. No. And I'm not getting. It's not desiccating. Desiccating is not a term I would use, and I also I don't get a ton of coconut either. Well, Dad, they did say it was just a breath of coconut. Now remember, because we have to bring this up every time, I can't smell, <laughs> so maybe I'm missing something in the smelling portion of the. Project. Well, and the term Belgiany, as we have discovered, famously refers to something aromatic so maybe yes. i'm wondering if you weren't getting the full belgian quality of the last one yeah i got a little bit i didn't and i and for me it was like very belgian yeah, yeah that's interesting i thought i find it very different from the last one i find this one overwhelmingly coffee huh that's interesting because i don't that's so weird and normally i get a lot of coffee yeah stuff. yeah notoriously a big time coffee drink but so. not but not specifically not roasty like it's like fully correct it's like brewed coffee as correct. opposed to just chewing a coffee bean or roasting malts to where they have a coffee quality right. to them right yeah no i agree it's not roasty no it's not a dry kind of coffee taste at right all. right you're right so we're down to the final three songs on the album and two of your top three are two in my, these three. Two of my top three are in here. Interesting. And, and the third one is probably the most discussion we have. So let's start with uh, track number seven called The Outskirts. Will you take from our school to build a bigger bond? You tell us fiery lies about the course we're on. And which would you sell first, your soul or your gun? think this is the most political song on the album absolutely you played a long clip of that i did this is my favorite song on the album this is oh wow yeah. first of all i think it's musically very complex mm-hmm. different than a lot of the other ones it is i yes it's definitely the most different musically right it's a really interesting structure to the song musically to begin with and then the lyrics are just deep 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 so the section i played i'm going to read the verse now remember they're writing this in 2004 well, you take from our schools to build a bigger bomb and tell us fiery lies about the course we're on. And you'll kill all the world and you'll reverse the sun. And which would you sell first, your soul or your gun? Damn. It just speaks to what the priorities are in a country, right? Like we're so busy protecting something that we're dismantling behind the scenes because we're financing the protection and not the part that we're supposed to be protecting. Mm -hmm. And I think this is genius. And so that's why I think this song is by far my favorite song on the album. It's also a little bit longer than some of the others. To me, that that verse you read has the same energy as you pave paradise to put up a parking lot. I'm listening to a bluegrass album and I hear that lyric 
when you take from your schools to build a bigger bomb. Yeah, yeah. Might have been the lyric I keyed on early in listening to it. Before I listened to all the lyrics and did all the other homework yeah. on it, when I heard that, and I went, wait a minute. This is a deep, thoughtful album. It's in the bluegrass style, but mm-hmm. it's not bluegrass themes necessarily. I think part of the reason that this is not in my top three is because it's the only song where I think some of the lyrics are hard to hear because they bring in a lot of backing vocals during the chorus, and that is not the case in most or all of the other songs. I, I haven't done what you've done in pulling the lyrics and reading them. I only know the lyrics from hearing them, and I don't know what the chorus of this song says because the background vocals are right. so prominent. Yeah, I'm glad that I do this exercise. I know it's not time-consuming. I mean printing them and having them here but I actually picked my clips based on the lyrics now when oh I interesting listened, when I went through it you can see on my notes I went through and I said yeah. oh this is the clip that I want yeah. and I did that on the section where I listened to it with the lyric sheet in front of me and tried to get a clip that represented the theme of the song both musically and lyrically I'm so glad I do that exercise because I notice things all the time with the words in front of me. Yeah, sure. You know, and reading it simultaneously. Now it's, you have to set aside the time to do that because you have to be focused on it. You can't, it's not a background project. Right. It has to be the, the prime project when you're doing it. Right. But I'm glad that I do that. And I knew the song was cool and then I got a lot more respect for the song when I did that. And in the context of the rest of the album, everything else plays light because it's bluegrass. Sure. This one doesn't play light. No, it does Even not. musically, you know, it's written in a key that gives you a little bit of angst out of the gate. And then the lyrics, really good song. Yeah. Powerful song. So that's my favorite one on the album. Wow. That takes me to song eight of nine, which is called When I Come Back Again. There's a man behind a desk a thousand miles away Gonna put me down in my grave Gonna put me down in my grave, my grave Ain't gonna roam no more When I come back, Lord, when I come back again And he take me back to my home And he take me back to my home, my home Ain't gonna roam So this song's not in my top three, which is a giveaway to what's coming up it's in my top three, right? Sure. We're down, we, this is the There's penultimate song. But this might be the best written lyrical song on the album. I think this is a song about a guy who's died in war. What? Yeah. This oh. is really cleverly written. I want to say it's almost like an O. Henry song in the sense that he goes through this every time he says, Annie, take me back to my home. My home ain't gonna room no more. That's a pretty basic lyric, right? It's almost like if that was a relationship, it's like he's been kind of bad and take me back. I'm not going to roam no more. But clearly it's about a military guy because there's a line in here that says, well, Captain, I don't want to kill another man. He ain't done nothing to me. So here's a guy who's like almost in the Red Badge of Courage kind of Civil War kind of novel. It's almost like it plays like it's from the Civil War, right? The sound of it because it's bluegrass. And he's like, I don't want to go kill anybody. Yeah. He's like a conscientious objector. <laughs> and then it says, well, son, just do your duty for your countrymen. Don't ask no questions of me. This is not the section I played. This is yeah. other from the thing. Okay, so he's going to go do this. He's not interested. And then it becomes this. This is the, from the section I played. 
there's a man behind the desk a thousand miles away going to put me down in my grave going to put me down in my grave my grave ain't going to roam no more and so i have this vision that his body's coming back to his homestead and he's asking annie annie take me back to my home my home ain't going to roam no more like he's died in war wow. it's almost like he's it's first person from a guy who's died in war i think this song is genius i really do it took me a long time to read through that and find those kind of notes in the lyrics. But gee whiz, what a great song. Yeah. Now, it didn't end up in my top three. I don't know, maybe another one of those sad things like Whiskey, where I was kind of like, um, maybe it, maybe that's why. But I got to tell you, this might be one of the best written anti-war songs I've ever heard. In retrospect, reading the lyrics, it's really smart. This is in my top three. And I read it completely differently. How about that? Well, that's fair. <laughs> I read it as a happy tone. I read it as he's coming home and he's ready to settle down. Not that he's died and he's being buried in his hometown. I heard the war in it, but I heard that he's coming home from war and he's ready to settle down with this woman, Annie. If you remove the line, gonna put me down in my grave. See, I read that as the president. You know, the president's the man behind the desk. He's sending the troops off to war. He doesn't care if they live or die. He's sending this man to his grave, potentially. He doesn't know. That's who the man yeah, behind the desk was to me. He sends it to my grave, potentially. Potentially. And I heard it as he actually he actually yeah. sent it. Yeah. He sent me to my grave, and now I've got it. Now my body's being traipsed back to wherever I live. Yeah, ain't gonna roam no more. Yeah, can't. Sure. Yeah. Right. It's like interpretation of poetry. Like you can read a set of lyrics that are semi-vague. They're not completely vague and have completely different interpretations. That's the beauty of music, right? Yeah. That's the beauty of what this is about. Yeah. Which brings us to the last song. Obviously, this is my second favorite song on the album and it's a very cool song called School Bus Driver. Well, I want to be a school bus driver and drive all over the world and If you would like So this is the most uplifting song on the album because this is the guy who's leaving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this town is dying on the vine, whatever. We've had three talked about it multiple times. But this is a guy who's like, all right, I got a plan. I'm out of here. He's not just a school bus driver. He's first. He's something else in the thing. He's got, oh, yeah. he's got visions. He's got yep. aspirations. But the line, I want to be a school bus driver and drive all over the world, just tells you that this was the guy who left the ghost town. Yeah. And I thought it was such a cheerful, upbeat song. I totally loved it. And so that's why it's my second favorite song on the album. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think I've said this about most of the songs on the album. This isn't in my top three, but it's close. It's a great song. You're totally right. And I know that people do this. They buy school buses, old school buses, and they refurbish them 
and that's their home. That's their mobile home. Yes. And gosh darn, wouldn't that be amazing? Reconstructing a school bus into a mobile home is fine. You don't need to do that. They have mobile homes. But the, the, sure. <laughs> the, the whole point of that is the freedom of saying, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. That's the cool thing. Whether and, it's in and a mobile to live, home. And to live where you drive. You know, everything's self-contained. You can go anywhere. You can see those stars that you reference from another the song. The stars alone at you night. You can go in the woods that you reference from another song. Absolutely. Right. That's exactly right. In a more positive way. Most of the other characters who were outdoors were not living their best lives in this album. Yeah. But this guy's like, I am out of here. I want to be a school bus driver or the multitude of other things he said in a the song. A stardust chaser. A stardust chaser. There we go with stars again. Yeah. And a great way to end the album. Yeah. It's a town that's got struggles. I'm here. I'm struggling. Struggle, 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 struggle. <laughs> and then the last guy on the album says, you know what? I'm out of here. And with that, that wraps up Songs from a Ghost Town. What a fun, fun album. I'm Thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. No, it was great fun. I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that. Now you have to contemplate what this dark, yeah. sour stout means. I don't know what I'm going to rate this one. I want to hear your thoughts first. Well, I like it. I'm going to give that a four. Obviously, I'm a fan of stouts, but I like sweet stouts. Yeah. So This is not that. This is not that. <laughs> this is neither of those. It's neither a dry stout or a sweet stout, right? It just happens to be a very dark, sour beer. So to me, this is more of a sour than a stout. We're going to call it stout because it's super dark. You can't see through it. And we use some elements to make a stout. But this is a sour beer. Which is why we came here. Yeah. We came here to drink sour beers. That's this very is a, true. This is a good one. This is Pods from a Ghost Town. So uh, I'm going to give this a four. It doesn't drink much like a stout. It drinks more like a sour. And to me, it drinks very much like the last one, although I like the last one better. But I have no problems with this. So after all that, I'm also going to give it a four. Wow. It grew on me as I drank it. The sour became less, I think. Like, less... Overwhelming, Overwhelming. Maybe? Yeah. And I think it, it sort of married with the coffee a little bit better as it warmed up. Or maybe as I just drank it more and got used to it. But I agree with you. It's a sour beer. I taste a lot of coffee, but I think that just makes it interesting. I don't think it detracts from it at all. And I don't think the sour detracts from the coffee. I, but, like, before, the first time I had a sip... I was thinking the two were fighting with each other. I think they do well yeah, together now. I agree. So, I don't think they fight with each other. Um, I agree with you. So that's a, a 4.0 for me. All right. So that leaves us with one order of business. Oh, my favorite part. And I have to assign you an album for next time. Yes. Based on our last conversation with the last album that I picked, I'm going to go with Zenyata Mondata by The Police. Okay. You look shocked. Like, I, you no, didn't see I, that coming. <laughs> I had a feeling that the police would be in here at some point. But when you said Zenyata Mondata, I had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> oh, good. So you know the album, obviously. No. But then you said the police and that. Um, yeah, I was expecting the police at some point. I love the police. I came to the police because of their last album, Synchronicity. But I think Zenyata Mondata is probably the quintessential one, both sound and lyric-wise. It's in the middle of their five albums. And it's sort of like what they built to, 
And then you can almost make the case that by the time they got the synchronicity, they got too big for their own good. Oh, interesting. And that was an MTV thing. They just became MTV darlings, and they became such superstars that they couldn't sustain it. They broke up. You probably don't have any memory of this, but when I was in high school, you proposed what I think was sort of the very first iteration of this podcast. Really? Where you challenged me to listen to the entire discography of the police in order, and I didn't do it. (laughs) In a way that, you know, this podcast sort of grew out of that, assigning me a musical challenge and, and then talking about it. You know, we never actually followed through with that one, but I have liked every police song I've ever heard, and I have never dove any further than that. I'm genuinely excited to be assigned this album now when I'm <laughs> actually ready to take it on. Good. And um, I can't wait to talk to you about it. I'm glad you're looking forward to the Police album. We'll talk about album artwork later. I do want to share one thing for you before we wrap up. As you know, I have to reproduce the albums for the podcast, right? So I'm looking at the uh, Trampled by Turtles cover for this album, and I'm like... How on earth am I going to Photoshop? Because <laughs> it's just colors. <laughs> well, it's a picture of what looks to me like it might have been done with pastels of a guy holding maybe an instrument. It's a beautiful thing, but it almost looks like it was done with pastels or oil pastels. And when they photographed it, there's white in there that may actually be the flash from the photography. I can't really tell what I'm looking at. But what I want to tell you is that I looked at it and went, I want to make this from scratch. What? I, well, as you know, mom gave me a couple of years ago materials to be able to paint. First of all, my great-grandmother, my dad's paternal grandmother, was an oil painter. I have several oil paintings around the house that she painted. Uh-huh. I've always had an interest in it, and it's just sort of like I never pursue it. I don't have enough time. We've been to painting with a twist a bunch of times <laughs> and done, and I can do it, and I'm okay yeah. at it, and I look at it, and I go, oh, I can do better. So mom bought me these painting supplies two Christmases ago, maybe, and they've been sitting in a box. And like usual, she goes, I want you all this stuff to paint. You never paint. You know, she, every once in a while, she pokes me with it and says, you know, I'm not using the material. So I look at this album cover and I said to myself, I am going to get out the painting materials and paint the cover for this episode. So here are some pictures, and these will all be up on the Facebook page of me starting. And I'm going to share with you the, uh, there's the beginning of oh it. Oh, my God. And then I got it to this point with the background. And I didn't do a perfect job with <laughs> so it. So cool, But Dad. when you see the finished product, this was before I accented us. That's us. It's That's a, us. We don't, okay. have, we don't have instruments, right? We have microphones. Yeah. And here I am with the finished product, <laughs> and here's the final cover. <laughs> and I was going to bring up, now the text is obviously done in Photoshop, but I'm oh, gonna, I love I was going to carry that up for you to give you here, and we had Grandma and Bob, two dogs, Aww. all the luggage. So when you next time come to South Florida, I'm going to give you that picture. But my question don't is, cry. don't cry, it's... it's uh, but it is, I looked at it and I went, you know, it's not quite... Like, I could do it again and get it better, but this is exactly what we need for this. And by the way, I think I nailed your maroon hair. <laughs> you did. You nailed, you nailed my hair. You made yourself very gray. I had to because... <laughs> You're a little it, more gray than you actually well, because, are. <laughs> because it's a silhouette, and I wanted to do... When you look at the original, 
Like I had, I struggled because it was acrylic painting and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Like having done it, I would go back and do some things differently, but I'm not going to do it a second time. But I was like, ah, I did a painting. And, and uh, it's really good. And it really came out, it really reflects us, it reflects the album cover for this album. I didn't Photoshop that one, I painted it by hand. That's so special, and Dad. And all those Thank photos you. will be up on the webpage <laughs> for anybody who wants to go read I for. love it so much. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. That's beautiful. Well, let me uh, let me dry my eyes so I can do our outro here. Oh, my. <laughs> didn't mean to make you cry late in the game. <laughs> you can find us on all social media apps and you can find this beautiful painting on all of our social media apps facebook twitter and instagram at pops on hops pod you can email us at pops on hops pod at gmail.com or you can find our website at pops on hops and we will put this painting on all of those platforms wherever you're listening to this there should be a link in the show notes for you to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you and on behalf of hops and pops we'll see you next time now you got me drinking in the morning no need to wait for noon boy i said them podcast time (laughs) will sure be coming soon for shithole. Um... <laughs>